Well, greetings from this side. I usually greet you from that side. So we're glad to come. It's a special weekend, Memorial Day weekend, and Pastor Gale asked me if I would share today and gladly to bring honor to those who serve, who have served, and to allow God to speak to us as well. I would invite you in the opening part to turn to Psalm 44. I want to use just a few verses there in a little bit. And uh, I would like also for us to realize within the theme of today's message, I'm going to be emphasizing the role of the individual. And we'll close also uh, with that type of thing as we wrap it up. So today, we want to really begin to weave together some of God's scriptures and information, illustrations that focus on Memorial Day. And as we do so, we will see that this is something that's been celebrated for a long time continues to be celebrated, and is celebrated, as I will highlight, in different ways at different times, by even by different states. And so, as we think together, look at Psalm 44, and uh, notice how God is working with the children of Israel, and his role in their uh, country, the Israelites, as they travel from place to place. We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what you did in their days, in days gone by. With your hand you drove out the nations and planted our fathers. You crushed the peoples and made our fathers flourish. It is not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your face, for you loved them. You are my king and my God. You decreed victories for Jacob, though you pushed Though we push back our enemies, through you, your name we trample our foes. I do not trust in my bow, my sword does not bring me victory. But you give us victory over our enemies. You put our adversaries uh, to shame. In God we make our boast all the day long, and we will praise your name forever. Thinking with that passage, the first verse that I just read really spoke to me when I was preparing this when it says in there, our fathers told us what you did in their days gone by. I stand before you today and say, I failed my daughters. I did not emphasize Memorial Day weekend. I knew better. I marched in parades for four years in high school in the band. But they knew it. I hope that you don't make that mistake. I just did not do what that verse suggests like I should have. And so that's one reason why the psalm is there. It's saying that this has happened, and we'll give you an illustration of that later on from another passage. For it says, We have heard our ear, with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what you, God, did in the days long ago. I trust that will be a part of our experience this weekend. Go down to verse 3 there and notice something else that sort of gives a balance that we weave into today's message. It says, it's not by their sword they won the land, nor did their arm bring them. But whose? It's your, God's right hand, your arm, and the light of your face. I will close on a note how we need to really bring God into the picture as suggested there in verse 3, the last part. Now go down to verse 6 and notice here, this is really to me an expression of humility. I do not trust in my bow, my soul does not bring me victory, but you give us victory over our enemies. 
Dear ones, this morning, we need victories over enemies in 2015. Let's pray that God will bring that about. And then, in verse 8, we make our boast all day long. We praise your name forever. A continuing theme, something that needs to take place in our lives. I was uh, preparing this, and I came across a hymn. I've never heard it sung. Don't suggest even we even try it. But it's a beautiful verse in there, and I want to read it. Blessed the nation, uh, along with verse 8. Listen to these words. Blessed the nation where God is the Lord. Blessed the land where he reigns. Blessed the people who trust in his word and worship his glorious name, just like we've done. He is a loving and merciful God. We are but children of dust. He is our refuge, our strength, and our shield. And he is the Lord that we trust. Blessed the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed the land where he reigns. Blessed the people who trust in his word and worship his holy name. Along with Psalm 8, it is the nation whose God is the Lord. There is also another aspect of what we'll be doing today uh, with God and under his leadership. And we know there's a real price. A real price is paid by our military. We saw the overhead. We saw a couple of uh, being carried along. There is a real price. And I want to share with you now a little bit of that focus along with what we saw with Psalm 8. And this is entitled, Freedom is Not, is, is Not Free by Kelly Strong. Listen to these words from one reason for celebrating Memorial Day. I watched the flag pass by one day. It fluttered in the breeze. A young Marine saluted it, and then he stood at ease. I looked at him in uniform, so strong, so tall, so proud. He'd stand out in any crowd. I thought how many men like him have fallen through the years. How many died on foreign soil. How many mother's tears. How many pilots planes shot down. How many died at sea. How many foxholes were soldiers' graves? No, freedom isn't free. I heard the sound of taps one night when everyone was still. I listened to the bugler's play and felt a sudden chill. I wondered just how many times the taps had met amen when a flag had draped a coffin of a brother, a sister, or a friend. I thought of all the children, of the mothers and the wives, the fathers, sons, and husbands with interrupted lives. I thought about a graveyard at the bottom of the sea, of unmarked graves in Arlington. No, freedom isn't free. And so let's hold that in mind as we think today more about Memorial Day. Freedom isn't free. Memorial Day also was called Decoration Day, and many of us remember that if we have much mileage on us. And it's there for, to celebrate a patriotic holiday in the United States. It's a day to honor Americans who have given their lives for their country. Originally, Memorial Day honored personnel who were killed in the Civil War. Clear back in 1861 to 65, Memorial Day under Decoration Day began. It's a long time ago, but it's still going on. Let's keep it going. The holiday now also honors those who died in any war while serving in the United States. It's interesting to me as I began to study this and see it through a little more. Memorial Day is a legal holiday in most states. 
Most northern states and some southern states observe Memorial Day as the last Monday in May. The date was made a federal holiday by law coming effective in 1971. And I remember my dad saying at that time, Decoration Day, as he called it, is going to lose some of its meaning. It's going to become a holiday. And I've thought of that many times over the years. I would say to you, I have only missed one time of going to Memorial Day, and I'll be at one tomorrow, not speaking, but attending. And I don't know how many years. I don't remember why I missed one. When Memorial Day comes, I show. Others die that I might live in a free country. And I also like to remember those that are wounded. But not only do we have it, as I just expressed, but there are at least nine states that celebrate it in their own way for the Confederate dead in the South. They celebrate on different times from April clear down into June. They celebrate it in their way in different ways. Our fathers have told us what you did in the days gone by, and they choose to celebrate that. Also, I want to now give you an illustration of an individual that began something several years ago, and I want to answer the question how it began. Uh, I would ask you an obvious question, but you'd have to raise your hand, and it's too obvious, and your hand would be too obvious, so I won't ask you if you've ever seen one of those before. You figure out if you have. What is it, Keith? Flower. Isn't that neat? They have those Memorial Days. I said I wasn't going to ask you, but I slipped up on that one. So, uh, anyways, those poppies began a long time ago. And listen to this. That really intrigued me. I made a study on this. A Mrs. Michael conceived of the idea to wear red poppies on Memorial Day. One person in honor of those who died serving the nation in war. She was the first one to wear one and sold poppies to her friends, co-workers, with money going to what? Benefit the servicemen in need. Later on, a lady came over from France, whose name I can't pronounce, was visiting the United States and learned of the new custom started by Mrs. Michael. When she returned to France, she made artificial red poppies to raise money for war orphaned and widowed women. One person, now two. That tradition began something. In 1922, 30, 30, 93 years ago, the lady from France approached the VFW for help. The VFW became the first veterans organization to nationally sell poppies. Two years later, Buddy uh, Poppy Day began. That program was put in place and artificial flowers were being made by none other than disabled veterans. And today, this weekend, you will see them around again. But notice this. In 1948, the U.S. Post Office honored Mrs. Michael for her role in founding the National Poppy Movement. They issued a red three-cent postage stamp with her likeness on it. Look what one and another did. And today, 2015, was true in 2014 at least, the poppies come out, made by disabled veterans to honor those that have given their life. That's why we have Memorial Day, and that's what is so important about it. I want to share just one personal illustration today about what one person can do. I was drafted during the Korean War and fortunately was sent to Germany 
And when I got to the port of entry, a soldier was sitting there in the office where I walked in, just a one-striper, probably hadn't been in too long. And he looked at me and said, I want to put you in the office. I said, it won't do any good, I can't type. Pretty soon, I want to put you in the office. I know he said it twice, and I think maybe more, because he really wanted to put me in the office. He said, well, if I don't put you there, you'll end up in the, in the infantry as an ammunition carrier. A carrier. That didn't sound too great. So I went from that point of entry into my permanent camp, hardly landed in the camp, and we, summer training, we're off for six long weeks of summer training. I was assigned a messenger. I saw a lot of German under my shoes. Made a lot of walks. So when I came back, I bought a typewriter. Why shouldn't I? Somebody told me I should be in the office. So I bought this typewriter and I brought it back and it had a little thing and I learned to hold key, home keys and use the hunt and peck system. And you know what? Two, three months later, down come the fellow from the company. He said, you can type. Come on up down to the orderly room. Why do you type? Hmm. Sound pretty good. So down I went. This is about Thanksgiving time. I bought that cute little thing in September. From there, we worked for a while and then they said, well, we need you up at battalion. For winter, winter training, we'd go into wild flicker, colder than blazes up there. So here I am at, and they said, you have to cut stencils. I looked at the clerk, I said, what's a stencil? He said, this is what they are, this is how they work, and this is how you repair them. He must not have too much confidence. And then, I like this part. All the time I had to go outside was to carry the coal in for the heater. These other guys had been raspy about my typewriter. They were out in the cold. But that's not the point. One person. Now, this goes on, I tell you, for this reason. It went on for about a month, maybe six weeks, and the chaplain assistant come up and he said, well, you're in chapel all the time. Would you like to be a chaplain's assistant? Well, that sounded pretty good to me. Talked to the chaplain, and I told him my limited skills, and he said, well, I don't demand speed. I just demand accuracy. And so, out of that, I moved forward and my little typewriter purchase allowed me to become a chaplain's assistant because one person said, I want to put you in the office. So I ended up with my own office, with my own assigned chief, and the rest of my career doesn't sound too bad. Sounds like better than an ammunition carrier, doesn't it? But my point is, one person started the poppy business. One person came into my life. I was thinking about this as I reflected on it. I wish I could thank him. I have no idea what his name was. One person. I want to challenge you to think. Who in your life? Take some time today and tomorrow. Who is that one person that probably helped you to make a decision and to move on in life in a powerful way? This was happening as I was watching the overhead this morning. You know, on Memorial Day, it's a proven fact that individuals, yes, they die in groups, but you're an individual when you go in the Army, the Navy, the Air Force. You're an individual when you come back in a casket. One person counts. That's what makes the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and others. And so today I say to you, Memorial Day is very, very important. I want to show now, just to share another real quickie. Up in Detour, Michigan, my mother's oldest brother was killed in the First World War, one person. His remains never came back. 
but the family saw to it. There's a stone in the Detour Cemetery that says Wallace Budlong was born and died and indicates he served. About 20 years later, my mother's youngest brother was in Germany as a prisoner of war. He served there, fed in things, no movement in his hand. He kept working to begin to move. He came back and said, I have one Kraut doctor, that is a German doctor, to thank that I still have my hand and my arm. One person made the difference. You and I can make the difference, and I'll spell that out in just a little bit more. Turn now to Exodus 12. Exodus 12. And I want us to see something that goes on. This is something to celebrate, just like Memorial Day needs to be. It's parallel an event. But Exodus 12, and I want you to see something there that uh, is a pattern that I think we can use, we can use as we uh, celebrate Memorial Day. Exodus 12, and this is the Passover. Moses is there and Aaron working. The Passover celebrates their coming out of Egypt under God's hand, God's strong arm, uh, as we saw in Psalm 44. And God has said, uh, celebrate this. And in the opening part of the chapter, they're told how to prepare their offering, their sacrifices and everything. Go down to verse 11. Uh, verse 11. They're going to be prepared for this. They know what's expected and are prepared for it. This is how you are to eat it. With your cloak cocked, uh, tucked in your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. And we thought fast food was a new thing, didn't we? Look at that. And I read this and wondered how many soldiers, how many soldiers in war have begun eating, dressed, in a hurry, ready to move or die or be injured. And so this is the importance of it, the Passover. Be ready, move on, and that will be sold out. And that's one of the reasons why they have unleavened bread. Now go on to verse 12 and notice, on that same night, God says, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the house where you are, and when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Do you think they were paying attention? Firstborn, man and animal, God says, have some blood on your house, or they go. They really saw the need of being prepared. Also, verse 13 makes me think of Jesus and his blood of the new covenant, because that's the blood that takes care of things for us, isn't it? And if we have the blood of Jesus Christ on our life, not our doorpost, and we accept him as our Lord and Savior, God includes us, doesn't he? He protects us, just like it says here. I want us to recognize that God gives definite directions. I'm going to a place tomorrow to celebrate, and I know they'll be prepared. They will be prepared. They know now who's going to speak, when the band's going to play. They're going to be prepared to celebrate Memorial Day just like they were prepared to celebrate the Passover here. Now go on to 14, and it spells out here what's to take place, just like they'll have it spelled out tomorrow. This is the day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance 
For seven days you are to eat bread without yeast. If they didn't have time to prepare, they'd be prepared to move on. On the first day, remove the yeast from your houses, for whoever eats anything with yeast in it from the first day through the seventh must be cut off from Israel. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly. On another day, on the seventh day, do no work at all on these days, except to prepare food for everyone to eat. That's all you have to do. Man, don't that sound good? Just prepare food and eat. But that isn't the point of it. The sacrifice is in it. And so God put it there. And look at 17. Celebrate the feast of unleavened bread because it was on this day I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. It started here in 1861 to 65. Let's celebrate it again to all the generations that come, that which we call Memorial Day. Here is the Passover, the deliverance of Egypt, and God says to Moses, this is what I want you to do. Do it right and keep on doing it. Now, I want to share with you something that we came across, and I wanted to illustrate it, it surely will. I will tell you now that I read this five or six times before I could read it without tears in my eyes. I want you to listen to this. It's written by a professor who lives in Belgium. His parents grew up during the Second World War. The Germans were in Belgium. And he shares a little bit that I won't give in detail of what his father and his mother individually went through as children growing up during the war. And then he picks it up. It would be probably in the 1950s as a child growing up himself in Belgium. Listen to the following. For me and my siblings in our plush family house, surrounded by many neighbors and enjoying all kinds of commodities, those stories would have seemed to come from another world, a world with nothing in common with the one in which I was growing up. If it had not been for those physical traces of great conflict around nearly every corner, the bomb building that had not been leveled, the temporary river bridge paralleling the old stone bridge with a missing middle arch, the armor tank in the middle of the town, and saddest of all, those acres of white crosses in so-called American cemeteries. That's Americans laying dead in Belgium. So when my parents recounted their stories, I knew I, it had been real. In my evening prayers, I asked God to save me from having to go through the war. That's why we do what we do, and they did. And now, why these cemeteries? Notice this. And during summer vacations, Dad would make a detour and have us visit American cemeteries. I must confess that initially I found them boring. With all those identical crosses, after all, so what, I thought. The war is over. And this only serves to rehash the ugly past and to lay us reaching our holiday destination. I read that and said, I wonder how many of us are holiday destination committed. That's next week. Until one day, in one of those cemeteries, the one in Luxembourg, I recall my father impressed on all of us children that below every cross lay a young man who had left his beloved family in America to fight in foreign soil to deliver from a wicked enemy my Belgian family who could not defend itself. 
You can't go on that road and come by and not say thank you, he added, and then fell into deep silence. Gratitude. Gratitude. This is what he was teaching me. On another trip, we stopped at a certain fork in the road. Nothing was peculiar about it, and I wondered why Dad stopped the car. And then he would tell us all Americans were pushing Germans back after the Battle of the Bulge. But through some circumstance, a group was pursuing, being pursued, a group of Americans were being pursued by the Germans, arriving at this intersection and went one way. When the pursuing Germans arrived an hour later, they asked an old lady which way the Americans were going, and she pointed the other way. Her quick thinking and her courage had saved a precious life. Such things, my father concluded, should never be forgotten. Think of something unique and special today and this weekend in your Memorial Day. Once during the winter, when all of us were assembled in the family room, my mother told us of the time when before D-Day, some German officers had commandeered half of her family house. Her mother was a little girl growing up. Each morning, the soldiers would go to battle and return in the evening. The fam uh, they would return to the family home, saluting the family with the Hitler sign and snapping their boots until one day they left and not to return. Barely a few days later, American officers took their turn in the house and all suddenly became a lot safer. Like the precious tenants, these men would leave in the morning and return in the evening but they were extremely friendly, and their presence met safety. Occasionally, one did not return, and the companion would simply say, Jeff got hit and fell. The next day, someone else took Jeff's place. A life had been sacrificed for my mother. That was the life of someone with a name, with pictures of his wife and children and homeland in his pocket. The life of a cheerful fellow who had drawn funny little creatures in my diary. The life of someone who had taken her on his lap, looked her in the face and said, you remind me of my daughter. Real people with families just like my mother's and mine had shed their blood on my native soil. It had not been so, my country today would be prey to Nazism, later to communism. How could I go through life and not do something in return? What could I do to preserve the memory of those heroes? Although I was not there during the war, all my information is secondhand. I vowed I would never forget what I saw and what I heard. I vowed I would always carry a debt of gratitude that I could never repay. I vowed I would say from the bottom of my heart to those who fought and survived, well done, and thank you. A Belgian family remembers the solemn gratitude the sacrifice paid by, paid by American soldiers, sailors, and airmen. Can we do any less? We can honor our dead without honoring war. Think about it. A man living in Belgium, probably alive yet today, a college professor said, let's remember, let's celebrate. I want to close with the words from a God bless America. And as the team comes up, I want to just uh, preface that with these words and then use it. You know, sin is rampant in our day. It's all around us, our country, elsewhere. 
It happened again and again to the children of Israel before that Passover and Exodus. In and out, in and out, and God would call them back. And different times you read in there, and they went their evil ways, and God would have to bring them back. I challenge you today, let's think in that direction for our country, as we saw in Psalm 44. We need the strong arm of God. We need to be obedient, to celebrate, as they did the Passover in Exodus 22. Maybe, maybe it's time that we as individuals and as a nation call out to God expectantly, purposely, and invite his presence of protection and say with a conviction, God bless America. Maybe it's time. I have, through often the prayer and praise team, we had a little discussion about prayer, and I have, in preparation for this, committed myself, I've been thinking about it, one day a week my prayer life will be totally on the nation its leaders, what's going on. It will involve world things, but that's my prayer time. Just the nation. I used to pray in this, this, and this. I'm going to focus. One of my prayer times, probably be Monday, and then another day I'll be praying for missionaries. That will be my focus. And another day is going to be for the church, the church family, and my ministry that I have here. That's three days I've dedicated. I plan to fill this out with five days. One day focus on this this, this, and this. Brother, sister, friend, this morning, we need to pray that God will intervene in our nation so we can celebrate Memorial Day, don't we? God bless America. Listen to this. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night for the light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the ocean white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Join me in prayer. Father, we thank you today that we are here assembled in a free country. We're assembled here, Lord, with men and women, youth, people that love you, people that honor you. We're assembled here, Lord, because of some who have served and others who are serving. We remember also, Lord, those that are going through life today with parts of their bodies missing, an arm or a leg or something else, with mental stress because their mind isn't up to power anymore. God, we remember them today and pray you administer them and through the organization of the individuals that support them. We remember today, Lord, there's some terrible things going on in our world. We know you're real and we really need to look to you. And so in this moment, with this body of believers, I say to you, Lord, exercise your strong arm. Call us back to yourself. Bring the church to, Lord, up to itself to realize, like the children of Israel, when they came back to you, you honored them. God, today, would you move in our midst that you might bless America. And I pray it in your name.